and now we pick up with our adventurers in the long-lost jungles or, or deserts or snowy peaks or whichever one it is, but the long-lost adventurers of the One Player Podcast. Oh, we've been lost here for months, but finally, we've made it back. Hey, Julius, how are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty well, Albert. I'm glad, <laughs> glad to be here with you. It's awfully nice. It's been quite a while since we hooked up. It has been a really long time. Oh, gosh. I think since, since, since like September or uh, something. I don't even want to know. I don't want to look it up. I can't, I can't handle the pain. <laughs> All right. Yeah, well, you know, life has just been so busy lately. I just have not had time to play a lot of games. Uh, just playing this one has taken me weeks to, to get ready. Mm. But that's okay. That's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. We're probably a little rusty, so we're going to do some news. I don't have a lot of news. Um, honestly, I've been hearing other podcasts doing news and do such a good job that I don't feel need to do much news. I just want to mention one thing. The One Player Guild, as of this moment, is 20 members shy of being tied for first place with the Dice Tower Guild over on BGG. Wow. <laughs> so so we're 21 members short of being the number one guild, just just to make it clear. Yes, but you know, it's it's a it's a moving target. So so it'll take a little while. Probably, you know, it'll be by the end of the year, I'm sure. We shall be victorious. At the rate that it changes. Because, I mean, it was like two days ago and we're about 50 away. <laughs> so... So it's any minute now, and it is fun to just keep watching and refreshing. So yeah, and I bet you that when it does, we pass him, people are going to hear about it, and then more people are going to join the the uh, Dice Tower Guild, and then it's going to be a, a race, just ongoing until eventually, I just assume we'd overtake I more suspect that a lot, it's going to make a bunch of news, and a bunch of people are going to come join the One Player Guild, not having heard of us Could before. Could be. That'd be neat. The more the merrier. <laughs> So that is all the news I have. That is all the news I have because I doubt anything else is timely. <laughs> yeah, no, not really. <laughs> all right. Uh, so let, then let's jump into what have we been playing? So I haven't played. You know, I haven't even been playing multiplayer games lately because uh, I normally played on Monday nights, and my daughter joined a, a local cor- corral group. And they practice on Monday nights. So I drop her off, and then by the time I get to the game store, and I have a couple hours, by the time I get there, they're already in the middle of something. Hmm. So it doesn't really work out in that sense. So I've been doing other stuff. I've been coming home or going to the library and hanging out there for a little while or whatever. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has actually been pretty neat. Not as much gaming, but it's been neat. But I've played some of the games. Nice. You and my son are playing a lot of uh, Star Realms and having fun with that. Yep. And other things. We played New Sword the other day. You recall we talked about that two episodes <laughs> ago, I think. And he beat me. It was his first time beating me in that one. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. So, yep. I've been I've been pulled into more and more games recently with my daughter. She's she started the habit of trying to pull things off the shelf and be like, play this one, play this one. I'm like, I don't think you do this. I, I think you understand this one. Let's go play Santorini or Ratatat Cat or something mm-hmm. like that. Now she's trying to learn Keyforge, too. Oh, how neat. Okay. I have not played that at all. I've seen it. Not it's not it. solo friendly. <laughs> no, not okay. at all. Imagine trying to play Magic the Gathering solo. I'm, I'm not quite sure how you would manage even that. <laughs> Hey, I we did cover that years ago. I don't remember if it was pre-Julius or post-Julius or during Julius. But we, 
<laughs> we we did. It was quite a long time ago, and even then, yeah, I think and I was it was skeptical. very specific scenarios. There's only three of them, and yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, all right. So we go on to the game. Sure. All right. So today's game is Discover Lands Unknown from Fantasy Flight Games. Um, I don't remember the I don't remember the designers. Sorry. Um, if only we could made a segue from Keyforge to Discover. Oh, I. They're both from Fantasy Flight. Yeah. And they're both a unique game. This, this brand <laughs> new unique are. game type thing that they're doing. Yes, they are both. So so am I the only one that's bothered by the thought that Fantasy Flight game has suddenly gone back sort of into their collectible game mode like they used to do and then they wore off? Is I mean, <laughs> is it collectible? Is, is that what it, this it is? It isn't really collectible. It isn't really collectible. But, you know, they used to do like the, the CCGs. They used to be LCGs. CCGs before they became LCGs and you didn't know what you're going to get in the pack and there's randomness in there but then they said you know what we're just going to make it that you know exactly what cards you have every sure. time and now now you no longer know <laughs> so I find that I find that kind of funny or ironic or whatever you want to call it I know irony is not the right word but that's okay, okay. <laughs> so that was the segue how was that that's better I'll pose that it just brings up a discussion why don't you tell us a bit <laughs> about the basics of Discover Lance Unknown and then why don't we discuss this idea of a unique game okay. and take our thoughts on it alright so Discover Lands Unknown is a game which you're exploring a random map and that comes in a random game box basically right we already talked about the uniqueness briefly but you don't know what components you get or even what scenarios or anything as a matter of fact there's there's six different environments that you could be exploring trying to survive in and your game is going to bring two random ones. Um, so you don't know until you open it, because they all look exactly the same outside. It, it reminds me of three other games, right? So in terms of what this game is like, it reminds me of Outdoor Survival, the old Avalon Hill game. I've not you're, heard of that. It's an old, old game. It's famous because of the maps. A lot Apparently people like them because they would use them for playing D&D, because they're great D&D maps. Um, I think it was it was one of the early games I covered, probably like episode 12 or so. Way before my time. And yeah, you you go around trying to survive and finish the scenario and get off the map, and it's very very random, very chaotic, and you tend to die really quickly, which kind of made it made it was stupid but kind of fun because it was so goofy and quick. I, I like that game a lot actually. So because of the whole survival aspect, it reminds me of that. It also reminds me of the Choose Your Own Adventure House of Danger game that came out uh, I think earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, in the way it works, it reminds me a lot of that. And apparently it's a lot like Seventh Continent, which I have yet to play or see. Really? You've yet to play Seventh Continent? I have yet to play it, yeah. And that is a game, right, where there's a lot of cards and you're exploring, and as you're doing stuff, it tells you not draw this card and I draw that card. Again, like House of Danger. Um, Yes. It has a lot of that in it. It I I think that's more because Seventh Continent was inspired from the same source materials of a choose-your-own-adventure as House of Danger. Was it? I didn't know that. Okay. Well, Seventh Continent was designed to be an experience that you're exploring through a whole continent and sitting down to immerse yourself in a narrative story and an exploration. So it becomes very much like a giant escape room type experience, a giant um, adventure book experience, except that the narrative is told through cards and through the board with some mechanics for losing and for survival. Mm, okay. But I really think that's because Seventh Continent just, it, it derives from that source material. Gotcha, okay. Have you played The House of Danger? I have. Did you? 
Okay. I like that one a lot. I've only played it once, but I had a great time playing it. I, I thought it was hilarious. We were actually able to borrow a copy while I was up in in uh, Kansas recently. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah, it's a game I'd like to talk about at some point, but i got to play it more to do that. I only got the one play. It wasn't our copy. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that might make it harder then. Yeah. The uh, And you mentioned escape rooms. I did one in uh, during the Thanksgiving break. It was a lot of fun. It was... There's 13 people, so we did two rooms, and it was uh, guys against girls, and the girls won. It was so unfortunate. Um, of course, it probably didn't help that as soon as they started their room, we went next door to the, the bar and brought back some beer, <laughs> and then did our room. So are you saying that Discover feels like these escape room experiences, then? Well, you you mentioned escape rooms. It doesn't feel like them at all, but you mentioned oh, okay. it, and it reminded me of that. <laughs> so I just well, I'm just you you were bringing up the idea of some of the content, the idea of adventure books. Yes, yeah, and it feel it has the feeling of those three games I mentioned. Um, it, it feels like outdoor survival because you're the survival thing, and you're slowly getting weaker and die and trying to just subsist and whatnot. And it, the seventh continent, the thing of the drawing the cards, or choose your own adventure game. Also, you know, you're going through the cards and finding things. It had those aspects of it. So anyway, that, that was the long winded summary. Um, how about the rules? So, so the game is, is the rules are really well organized. I found them really clear, really easy to follow and and learn the game from. I like the way it comes. It has three books. It has the main rule book that tells you all the mechanics and then two books, one per scenario, because you're going to get two different scenarios in your game. Um, so it'll bring those books specific to those scenarios. And that, that is minimal. It's really mainly about the setup and the minor stuff about the, whatever's different in it from the for that scenario. Um, lots of color, lots of pictures, easy to follow. There were a few things I think were confusing. Um, it, it was generally easy to resolve. Nothing, there's nothing catastrophic or anything like that. A few things I might have figured out after a couple plays. Um, and that wasn't even rules issues. That was just... <laughs> we not seen the icon on the card sort of thing. <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I found the rules, you know, pretty usable. And because there's the one main rule book and then the setup book, you know, it's when I'm going to that main rule book, there's a lot less to go through to find my problems and figure them out. So that I, I thought they were great. Very well done. Um, Theme. So I love the idea of exploration games. I really have always enjoyed them. And this is definitely a game about exploring a map and finding things. Um, Which really makes me so surprised that you haven't played Seventh Continent. I know, but I didn't get it. It was expensive on Kickstarter. And I just didn't get it. And if it's out of retail now, my store hasn't gotten it. So so I've honestly, mm-hmm. you know, it's out of sight, out of mind. It's not It's not on retail yet. Yeah. Because I'm sure I could trade for it or, or whatnot, but I just, I forget about it. It's, it's that simple. I hear that. You know? So yeah, so this is exploration. And you're wandering around your environment, like I said, trying to survive. But the game is scenario-based, and and you're trying to accomplish a specific scenario while you survive. The The game does have an overarching backstory. I don't know if the story is different depending on the what settings you have or whatnot. I don't think so, but that is there sort of to drive the progress in the game, I guess. Um, I will say I am not a fan of that backstory at all. I, I actually dislike the backstory. <laughs> I was a little disappointed by it. Fortunately, it didn't matter a whole lot in the gameplay. It's just there to give you an excuse for being there. Realize what it is. <laughs> um, so that is the theme. The components. 
what about the components? So this has a, a lot of cards and tiles. You know, it's, it's a large box game, say like uh, Arkham Horror, the second or even third editions, I guess. Um, when you open the game, you don't know what you're getting, right? The whole This whole uniqueness thing is, is part of the game. There's going to be two set, two different settings, two different environments. You, you don't know which ones they are. The, they're not entirely random in that they have certain mixes. There are certain combinations you just won't find. And if you do find a combination, the order of the scenarios within tends to be the same every time for that combination. Um, and I'll get a little more into that a little later. But so you're going to open it. You're going to have a bunch of t- counter sheets. There's going to be tiles on them, the map spaces. There's different counters that you use for exploring and finding things and cards. And I guess it's all organized so all this stuff comes together. There's groups of things. If if you have, like, for example, I had the Snowy Mountain setting, you're going to have the main tile and some cards that go with it plus a one of a few different sheets, and that's going to have certain locations on the maps and whatnot and cards that go with that sheet. So it's all set up, I guess, to so that you get the right sets of things so that it all works together. Um, you get a lot of tiles. You get some dice. You get some um, health trackers that you put together sort of like you have in Lord of the Rings card game and some of the other Fantasy Flight games. You know, you put the little spinner in the middle to turn them. The, there's four of those, and there's some character cards also. The, and again, that's also random. You don't know which characters you get. There's apparently a few different sets, and you will get two of them. Um, it, it's fun going through all this and putting it together. It's a little confusing. Um, when I put it together the first time, I set it up, I was ready to play, and it said, go find this card, and I didn't see it, I couldn't figure out why, and eventually I realized I had to open more packs, I thought I had opened all the packs I needed, and I was saving the ones for the second setting, and I just hadn't realized that I had to open all the packs, and that was just my confusion, but but really, again, it's kind of fun just going through it and seeing what you have, because it, it's supposed to be unique, um, though I do have some thoughts on that later. So so let's move forward then. That's oh the components. I like the art style. It's pretty simple. It's a map with, you know, simple and kind of evocative art and I enjoyed it. Uh sort of car- definitely you, cartoony. And and you said the iconization was still clear, correct? It is clear. The the problem I had with the icons, it um the icon is clear. I just didn't see it on the card because it was sort of a uh looks like a relief of the image or um it was sort of faint. So I had I missed it the first couple times I played, and I totally... I had a component that said, if you see this icon on a card, you can then look at the different card. Add, add to the card number and look at that card instead. And I never came across a card that had that icon, and it's just because I hadn't seen it because it was faint enough that I didn't catch it. Once I knew what to look for, it was obvious it was there, and I never missed it again. But the first few times, it just didn't catch my eye. Um... So yeah, so okay, so that's the components. The gameplay. Um right, so this is this is like I said, it's a game about surviving. You're exploring, you're walking around a map, trying to find things, trying to gather food and different resources to do stuff with them. Um you're gonna fight creatures. You're out in the wilderness. Um, for example, the settings I had, there's like I don't think I'm giving anything really away. It's in a it's a wilderness, right? There's gonna be things like wolves and other things, other animals, um, mooses, I think, or something like that, you know, typical wildlife. Um, 
The, based on the setting that you're in. Based on the setting that you're in, yes. Right. So so I think there's an ocean setting. I'm guessing you're not going to find a, a lot of uh, wolves out in the ocean. <laughs> right. And, and, it, and the tiles, those monsters are specific to that setting, right? So each, the two settings have different sets of tiles and different monsters that go with them. Um, there's very little that's shared across the two settings, actually. The dice, the trackers, the character cards, and a few of the monsters. Um, and yet, both those settings came in the same box, right? They both came in the same box, yes. That's strange. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's what the game plays. Is it's just about wandering around, exploring. Each turn, you have a certain number of actions you could spend, up to twelve. The number depends, and you can do stuff during the day, and then at night you will rest, and, and other stuff will happen. You'll draw a card, and it'll tell you like how many actions you're going to recover during the night, and what else happens. Sometimes the stuff that happens is actually even good, which is kind of neat. Not always, not usually, but it can be. And things that would happen overnight is like you you eat one food. If you don't have a food, take a hunger damage, or drink water, and if you don't have water, take a thirst damage, stuff like that. Um. The the health is interesting. There's three three little spinners on your health uh, on your tracker, and each spinner can have like one of five settings. You could either be healthy, you could have hunger, thirst, disease, or or I guess wounds that are incurable. Um, if you take a wound, you turn one of the three dials to the to the proper thing. So like if it says eat, and if you don't have food, go hungry. I will turn the dial to hunger. And then next turn, if I find food, I could go ahead and eat it to cure my hunger. Simple enough. Um, but if I fill all, all three of my tracks, if I have, I'm hungry, I'm hungry on another one, and maybe disease, if it says take a damage for anything and I can't, I just died. So that's how that works. Um, and I find that pretty neat. I find that, that really neat. One of, the, one of the damages you take, you cannot heal. The rest you can. Um... So that that's the gameplay. It's wandering around, sometimes fighting those creatures you encounter, looking for things. Sometimes when you flip a tile, you flip a tile and you'll add resources to it if it tells you to on the tile. It'll have an icon for the resource. Sometimes there's little pictures of a specific landmark. You could go to the landmark and it'll have a number on it, and then that triggers you drawing a card with that number to read what that landmark is. And that's what the game is about. It's doing all this. Now, the game is scenario-based, you're going to get two scenarios for each setting, and I guess those, I think I already mentioned that they come based on what what tile set you have for that scenario, right? Um, for that for that uh, setting. The, the scenarios are about exploring and finding certain objects or locations and going to these things and doing that kind of stuff. Um, as you're playing, you don't know what you need to do entirely. It'll say, okay... Once you've accomplished this goal, like say, go find this location. Once you've read the description, go ahead and go to the scenario card, the second scenario card for this scenario. And so you won't read it until you get there. So you don't really know what to do and how to prepare for it, at least until you've played through it once. Um, well, once you know that surprise, is it still worth playing through multiple times? I don't think so. We'll get to that. Uh, okay. Now the game is set up randomly each time. the The setup for the for the environment will say, you know, put the tiles in this in this configuration. The tiles will have numbers on the back, so it'll say put all the ones over here and all the twos over here and all the threes over there. So it's it's semi random, so you don't know which tiles are where, but you kind of have an idea. Like if the first time you played, you found out you you, you had to go reach um, an old hut, 
and now that you've played it, you know that you've gone through it and you've realized now after playing it that the hut is in the section with the threes, the next time you play it, you know it's one of those three tiles, you just don't know which one. Um, and depending on the scenario, those threes could all be together or they could be at opposite ends of the board. It just depends. Depends on the, on the environment. Um, so, so that random setup will help with the replayability. Um, or so I thought at first. The Okay, so that's the gameplay. I think I've covered it. I'm not going to get into detail unless you have any more questions about it. No. Okay. There, there are a lot of counters as you're playing. I do want to mention this. I, I should have mentioned it. The You'll be putting counters on the board and moving them around. There's different types of counters. So you can have all that set up and organized. And a lot of the game is about going in and getting these different counters. And they're resources. Some of them are food or water and other things. Um, okay, so solo play. The game works well solo. The You could just play one character. It's I found it. it's definitely easier to play with more characters in terms of the game difficulty. If you play solo, it basically says you start with more actions. But that's only that first turn. After that, everything's... You know, the same regardless of number of players. And there's a few other things that would be slightly different if you're playing solo, but... So there's no scaling for, the for player count? There, there's there's minimal scaling. If you hmm. play solo, you're going to start with more crafting items. That's something I didn't really mention, but you start with a couple cards of things you can build if you find the right resources. Hmm. Um, and those are assigned to you randomly. At each game, so you know this game I might have three resources, and that game I'll have three different resources. If I play with two players uh, or three players, I'll have fewer resources. Each person will have maybe one or two. Um, so so that's a benefit. You have more choices at the beginning, and you have more actions, but you're going to use those actions up pretty quickly. And then the next round, you're you're going to regain say ten actions. It doesn't matter how many people you have; each person's going to gain ten actions. Hmm. So, yes, yeah, so I did find it, it worked well. Um, only th- when I got to the last scenario that I, I say, I played a few times and I kept dying. I said, wait a second, let me try with two characters. And I was finally able to beat it that way. It was, it was definitely much harder solo. And part of it's because I was just able to explore more of the map, too, when I had more characters. Um, it, it worked great solo. Some of the characters that came with my game did not work solo because it said it, it impacted other characters. So whenever I drew, when you start the game, you draw two and you pick one. If I drew one of those, I would just discard it and draw another. And that, you know that worked fine. The playing multiple characters is pretty easy. There's there's minimal upkeep and all that. The only thing you have to keep track of is the number of actions. So it didn't at all feel hard. Um, so definitely very, very soloable, definitely. The the other thing is the game has five scenarios two of them for each environment, and then the fifth scenario is just a, a deathmatch sort of thing so that you could have an unlimited replayability by trying to kill each other. Again, that would only work in a multiplayer, so so that last scenario is not very soloable at all. Uh, hmm. From my point of view, that's a throwaway. Um, because the rules are the same, the only thing that's different for the single player and the multiplayer, it, I you know it, it was not hard to learn it at all. You know, I always complain when the when the solo rules are at the end of the book says, "Now that you've learned the multiplayer game, change this." None of that here. That was that was great. Um. So yes, yeah, so that is that is the solo, and then finally the overview. 
and I think here I have a bunch more to say. I, I definitely enjoyed the game. I had a great time playing it. I think it was really fun in spite of that backstory that I didn't like. Um, just just didn't care for it. It it almost ruined it for me. And it wasn't bad. It was just... That's pretty close if, if it almost ruined it for you just because of the backstory. It, I mean, it didn't... I, I wish it wasn't there. And it, it definitely impacts how some of the scenarios go. But not really. The What I enjoyed was the survival part of it. And that still happened regardless of the story. And the story is not bad. It's just sort of predictable, I thought. Um, you know, they're trying to give you a reason for being lost in the wilderness. And, you know, they just come up with, with a plausible explanation that's going to work every time. Um, but anyway, that, that that isn't really that important otherwise. It doesn't play a huge impact in the game. The The random components is cool. I like opening the game and... The process of opening the game itself is an exploration, finding out what what environments I got and what tiles I got and all that. And that was really neat. But once you've opened it and you've got your game, it's totally irrelevant, right? If I never see another copy, it may as well be exactly like every other copy. And it wouldn't make any difference to me. I don't know. So it doesn't add anything to the actual gameplay unless I start buying more copies of the game. So I thought it ends up being more gimmicky than anything. Um, it is interesting. I, I've seen where some people get annoyed because, oh, they're missing out on this or that. It's, you know, you're not really missing out on it. It's just doesn't. It's not there. That's all. But it's fine one way or the other. Um, sometimes they'll say, oh, go to this card number, and you don't have that card number because you don't have that set. That's okay. That uh, I think people got frustrated by that. Also, I find that okay. I thought to me, it says. Oh, I saw this landmark. I went to see what it was, and it turned just to be nothing. So it did. It felt thematic. Um, that whole experience. I really like the process of exploring the map and finding all the secrets. Right, each, not each tile, but a lot of the tiles have lo- these locations on them, these landmarks, and you go to them, and then you draw the card and you read about it and you find out stuff. And sometimes they give you things and. And, when I, and that whole process of exploring these and learning about these places, that was really neat. I really like find, finding these different places the first time through especially and seeing what they have. And through repeated play, you start learning more about them. Because like the first time you play, you might find an item. Um, or, or you might find a location that says, oh, it's dark and there's nothing here. And then maybe the next time you play, you say, oh, I found a flashlight. And it says if, if it, it tells you if you ever come across a place that says it's dark add to the card number and now you could draw on a different card so now the next time I know how to deal with that location mm-hmm. so so it was neat and you kind of get to reveal more as you replay it until you revealed it all um, now I did find that when I revisit a scenario a few times it did start becoming less exciting once I had solved it once I knew where all these things were um, then it was just a matter of okay I know I need to go to this location first and that location this one and then just wandered around this random map trying to find this location. You know, flipping tiles until I found the right one. Uh, and that that was a little bit frustrating, honestly. Um, I mean, initially I thought the randomness was going to be great because it was going to increase that replayability. But in practice, it, it ended up not being as... It, it worked a couple of times. But beyond that, it just became annoying. Uh, at least for me. Uh, especially in those cases where... 
I ran all the way to the one end of the map looking for, for the location I needed to find, and it wasn't there, so now I had to run all the way across back to the opposite end. And <laughs> and that's all just because of a random setup. So that, that there's definitely not a randomness in the game. And yeah, that's not necessarily a bad thing, I just didn't like the way it felt there. Um, I've already mentioned that fifth scenario. Hmm. Again, that's sort of a throwaway thing, which is fine. I got four scenarios out of it, two in each environment. Um, there's definitely some memorization. I found that, like, I went to revisit some of the first two scenarios. I played them in order, and the my first two were in the in the valley, and then my last two were the snowy mountain. Uh, I went back to play the valley again, and I knew where the different stuff was. Sort of, I couldn't remember. Oh, is the item I need over here or in that other location? I don't remember, but I got to go to one of these two so I could. You know, find it so, so there's a little bit of memory in there. If I'd remembered everything better, like if I'd taken notes or something, it would have been just a matter of finding each item. So I guess that adds a replayability, but also it makes it a memory game, um, which I was finding frustrating. I remember having similar issues with a trip lock, getting frustrated with the memory aspect. So, so maybe, maybe I'm just not a, a lover of memory games, or at least solo memory games. It also seemed that the scenarios get progressively harder. At least that was my experience. The The first one was pretty easy. The second one, you know, a little bit harder. But the fourth one, eventually, I had to play it a bunch of times. And that one, it felt like... Was that due to randomness, or do you feel like that increased difficulty is intentional? I think it's intentional. I assume it's intentional, but I don't really know that. But it, it kind of would make sense that if they give you four scenarios and they're numbered one through four, they're going to get progressively harder. So I'm assuming that's going to be generally consistent. Again, because there's randomness in the distribution, that may not be true every single time. But I'm sure that must be the intent. But um, the fourth scenario, it was hard enough that when I played it, I, I could not beat it until I finally went using multiple characters. I think I could have beat it if I used one, but that would have been a very, very luck-dependent. You know, getting the right set of uh, craftable items at the beginning and the, loca- the tiles being in the right locations and all that. And it would have just worked out in my favor. And I find that sort of experience frustrating when, when it's entirely left up to randomness. Um, and that, that's kind of why I didn't like the scalability of that game. Uh, what else do I have on my notes here? Progressively harder. The memorization, I've mentioned that. Uh, I already mentioned that. I already mentioned the whole collectible stuff that I kind of didn't like. And yeah, it's not truly a collectible game, but... As long as you realize that it's not truly collectible. It's not truly, but the whole randomness thing that Fantasy Flight left once and has now returned to. It's But with something collectible, you know what it is that you're looking for and you know what you're trying to get. You want a specific thing. With this one, yeah. it's not that you're looking for something. You're not trying to collect them. You're getting something unique and you're happy, theoretically, is the marketing scheme. But you're happy, theoretically, with whichever it is that you get. Yes, but it, but if I want to play the other one, so now I say, oh, I had a great time. I'm going to buy another copy, and next time I get two different settings. And then the third time I now get a repeat. That might be annoying. Now, now even if I get the repeat, the scenarios are not necessarily the same, and even the locations are not necessarily the same. So it's not entirely bad, but but again, I'm going to, you know, if, I, if I'm enjoying it, I may try and collect all these different things. And they do tell you if you do get multiple copies, don't mix them. Keep it separate, because... I, you know, different things. The scenario is set up with a certain number of tiles. You can't really add more tiles. And 
I, yeah, it might not. It might not work well. It might make it too easy or it might make it too hard. I don't know, but I think it would lose some of the balance. So I recommend not doing that. Other than say the characters, they're saying yeah, go ahead and mix the characters all you like, but the rest keep it separate. Um, and from what I've seen, like uh, uh, my friend local game store has a copy of the game, and they they have the snowy mountains also, but they have entirely different scenarios for their snowy right. mountain than I have. I think they were also numbered three and four like mine, but they were just different ones. And so I guess some of that had to do with which location showed up. I think it's just random. I don't know. You know, I have who knows. I don't think it's not entirely random. I don't think so. I think there's some deliberateness to it. There must because certain scenarios tell you to say, "Oh, go to this location." Well, they're not going to give you that scenario well, unless yeah, they gave you the town at that point in time. Location. It's random if you got that. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It is. Yes, you're right. It is. Um, and I think I already mentioned this, the success of finishing scenario, it depends a lot on in the, in the initial setup I found. There are certain craftable items that if I drew those from the beginning, my my chances of succeeding were increased a lot. Um, for example, there's a bed row, and that's that's really the one I'm thinking of. That gives you two extra actions every turn after that. And that, that can make a big difference. Um other other items are also really useful but harder to craft but every time i had that it was such a relief um so so that that's generally all the overview of the game and what i think about it what i haven't finally told you is my my thoughts on the game and what i think your final thoughts yeah. your vote my final thoughts my i enjoyed the down. game a lot I, <laughs> it's definitely a thumb i enjoy i love the process of learning the game i, th- I thought it was great I had a great time finding all these things and learning experience it. But once I went through all the scenarios, I felt done. I, I feel like I'm complete and I don't ever need to go back and play this game again. At least And that's probably not a good thing for a game. Yeah, I so I, you know, so I think I got about ten plays out of it total. Um so that's about six dollars a play. I bought it retail, so sixty dollars. I you know, it's not a huge amount compared to other things. Compared to other games, it might be, but it was a unique experience and it was fun, and it was definitely very uh, an experiential sort of game. I could now go and trade it with somebody else who doesn't have that version, and maybe get a different one and try it again. I could take it to my friendly local game store that has a used game section and sell it, and recoup some of the money, and then maybe buy a different one to try out different stuff. So it doesn't, it didn't feel bad. I, I'm I'm definitely glad I got it. I there's absolutely no regrets in there. I just don't think I'm likely to play it again. At least not solo. I don't feel like you're selling it to me. No. No. Um. <laughs> I don't. I don't feel sold for it because. Yeah. To me, I, I mean, we we mentioned KeyForge a bit ago. And to me, KeyForge feels like how a unique game is supposed to be because there's interaction between the uniqueness as opposed to. I mean, it doesn't feel special to me that this one has just these specific scenarios. It. it yeah, no, and I said that too, right? I said that it's totally random and open. It was fun, but once I had it, who cares what I got? It's, it's still just going through a game that's fun. It, I don't think some scenarios are necessarily better than there are the others, and they might be, but I'll never know, right? But the, yeah, I can see what you're saying, but you know, like like the experience was good. I'm, I definitely enjoyed it. I've got hours of game out of it. If you've got, for example, an unlock game, that's what ten or fifteen dollars. And that lasts an hour, and you play it once and you're done. It's about the same same cost, same for the time. 
right? Getting four hours of play out of that can cost you about $60 because you need four copies. I, I mean, I hear what you're saying, hmm? but... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it... And it, it doesn't sound like you're, you're ever that interested in the theme in the first place, so that might be part of it. I think if you're... Well, who knows? Maybe if you really were interested in the theme and you heard me talk about it, you might say, yeah, I really want to try that now. I, I don't know. Well, I mean, I have a copy of Seventh Continent, and I enjoy Seventh Continent. No, I certainly do enjoy the theme. But to me, the idea... Well, first of all, setting aside the price. It's $60 for this game. But the... It just the mechanics do not, you know. You're not selling me on the mechanics. If we talk about, I mean, I don't want to compare it to some of, some of my favorite games, but let's compare it to. Uh, I hate to say Arkham Horror, but it's like the only thing I'm playing recently. <laughs> okay, but I mean, compare it to another game with where the mechanics are involved. That I want to replay it because there's more mechanics, there's more replayability because it's enjoyable. If the only reason why I'm playing it is to solve it and go through it once, well, that's what the $10 unlock box are for, and they're $10, and they're designed for that. And they're very enjoyable, and they're a lot of fun. This just doesn't sound like fun. It sounds grueling. (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. I I found it fun. I found the experience of playing it fun. I found the experience of replaying it less fun. It did not feel grueling to do it. The first time discovering all these things and finding these... You know, a cabin in the woods. Oh, that's that's pretty darn cool. It's for me. And then reading the little card that goes with it, that was really cool. Um, going to the cabin the second time was still pretty neat. The third time, the fourth time, that starts getting tedious for me. So I think it's just, I mean, I think it's a great game. It's a great experience. It's just not a game that gets replayability. And people are fine with that with a $15 game. They're just, I, I, to understand, it, it's harder to accept that with a $60 game. But I do think it's it's a good experience. I th- I'm like I already said. I'm definitely glad I got it. I'm glad I experienced it. Well, I suppose I'm glad that you're happy with your purchase. Um, <laughs> thank you. So, so I mean, it, it it is a positive review, but obviously I can see the negativity in the, some of the stuff I said too. So, it's it's a mixed review. I care loud. Um, you know, and if the game was not random. Would that make it better or worse, I wonder? That's interesting. Would I be annoyed having played it and gone through that experience and not having the the joy of opening up my random package? Like a pack of random magic cards? I wonder. I Just saying it, I get the feeling I would not have been as happy about it. But I don't know. Now, an interesting thing is, I don't think this game is anywhere near as random as Keyforge. Keyforge is apparently, you know millions of different combinations this one I'm sure it's a lot less yes well, I mean this is also millions of you know I mean it's well, a lot less but it's more than everything to see but it, yeah because you know even if in just the snowy mountains there's probably I think and I'm just guessing there's probably like six iterations of snowy mountain is my guess I, I think it's that level of randomness is not a lot more if it is but the question is, how much did the randomness feel like it actually? It added didn't add to, to the, the game. game itself, but it added to my my experience of of opening the game and discovering the game versus discovering the story. Which is kind of weird because you don't. I don't think that matters as much in other games. You know, 
when when you first get a uh, Carcassonne, is the the joy of discovering Carcassonne the game of Carcassonne there, or is it really just the joy of playing it? <laughs> yeah. It's the joy of playing the game is the idea. And I think that if you're not having joy from playing the game, if the only joy is in the discovery, oh, look at the new thing and find all the shiny pieces in it. <laughs> well, then and, that's a lot more expensive per use because you're going to go through the game in about an hour the first time just going through all the bits and looking at all the cards and whatnot. Um, <laughs> and that's definitely a lot more expensive, yeah. right? But because because it's both opening and playing, I'd say, yeah, I think it's a good value. Not as good as values other stuff, but a good value. Now, and here's another strike for it. Cause I love selling this game so much. The last time I finally played it, and I finally beat that last scenario, I, I was very happy with it. And I said, you know, I know there's stuff I'd never even got to see, but there's no way I'm going to play this again to see what they are. So let me just go through the cards and read them all. And I did that. <laughs> and I was happy with it. And and when I say I won't play it again, it's, I won't play it again solo. I wouldn't have a problem playing with other people. Uh, I wouldn't even even scenarios I've already played that'd be fun partially because they haven't played these scenarios and partially because it's I think a little less frustrating when you could split up into teams and explore the whole map so so all, most of my comments are pretty much strictly on the solo experience well, you know, which is fine on a one player podcast so yeah I don't think I have anything else on this game do you think you've sold it? let me ask you that <laughs> It's not my job to sell it. It's my just just to tell people what I think about it. <laughs> I I have no idea. I have no idea what other people are going to think. You, you already told me you're not interested in it. Um, okay. I was just curious if you. <laughs> I was just curious if you feel like this is the sort of game you want people to be excited about. I don't think I care. <laughs> I don't. Let's see what. I, am I just a jerk, or is or is that just this game? That's a good question. There's other games I would be excited about. Newsyard, yes, I would like other people to be excited about that. For example, that that this game, if it doesn't do so well, I'm okay with that. If it does great, I'm okay with that too. Well, I'm so yes, I guess I don't care about this game a lot. Well, I'm really excited to talk about uh, my my pick for a game next time. Next time we're going to be talking about Dungeon Alliance, and I'm very excited to share the joy of Dungeon Alliance with all of our listeners. Okay. Well, I want to hear about that then. I don't know anything about the game, so I'm going to have to look it up. You should be. Get ready for this. <laughs> all right, then. We'll be back in the spring for that one. <laughs> uh, I hope we'll see you guys all in two weeks. I hope to see you guys in two weeks. Yep. All right. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. All right. Good night. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-like license. Thanks for listening.